Do you have a story to tell about a terrible medical conversation? I want to hear from you. Please email me at christine at christinemeyermd.com. I can't wait for you to tell me more. Hey, everybody. Welcome to Tell Me More. I'm your host, Dr. Christine Meyer. On the show, we break down some of the worst conversations in healthcare. Why? Because I believe that together we can build better ones. Hey, everybody. Welcome to this week's episode of Tell Me More. This week, we are talking to Nora about something very similar to what we've heard from other guests so far, just a a long protracted journey to a diagnosis and an improvement in quality of life that maybe wouldn't have had to take so long had some of the conversations been better or more efficient. Nora, welcome to the show. Thank you for being here. Thank you, doctor. It's it's nice to talk about it and have someone who listens. I'm excited. I think your story is going to resonate with a lot of people because especially when it comes to difficult diagnoses that impact people's quality of life, things that cause pain, for example, doctors often miss the mark in terms of getting to the to the bottom line. You know, we are not too shabby at trying to help people manage pain. We are quick to say, oh, it's probably this, but really digging in and getting to a, a diagnosis sometimes it's tricky. And I've said this many times on the show, but it comes down to time. You know, a lot of doctors just don't have or don't take the time to really try to understand the underlying mechanism for a problem, which ultimately is where the best treatment comes in. So tell me a little bit about your story. Okay. Well, I have rheumatoid arthritis, which is the, the primary problem. And then I have some other issues like chronic ear, nose, and throat issues with seasonal allergies that span all four seasons. (laughs) So it's so much fun. But I think the first thing that, you know, your listeners will need to know is that this all for me started when I was 35 and I was camping. I was, I used to be very active. I was always athletic. I was a gymnast growing up. I did figure ice skating, played piano, classical piano. So back when I could, my fingers worked. And I was working out with a physical trainer three times a week, going through a lot of emotional changes. My my mother had passed away. I was a new professional, getting married. And I was camping and I could not get up off the ground. Like I had slept, woke up one day and my shoulders hurt so bad that I couldn't push myself up off the ground. I had to have friends lift me up. And it was out of the blue. We thought it was carpal tunnel on my wrists a little bit here and there, but this was out of the blue, hit me like a freight train, saw a doctor. I was in the process of moving to a new home as well. And he said, well, you know, you're a little overweight, maybe packing all the boxes to get ready to move has made you sore. I just looked at him. I said, I work out three times a week. I've been an athlete my whole life. It's not that. And he said, well, I I think that's it. And he kind of brushed me off and I left. Very upset. The first doctor you see with this, you know, one day you're fine, relatively have a lot going on, lots of stress, but relatively physically fine. You all of a sudden need physical help at the age of 35 to get up. And obviously this is distressing. It's significant. It's new. 
and you go to a doctor and the first thing he says is you're fat and you're packing boxes. Oh, As my if God. I didn't already know. Every woman in the United States oh feels that she's overweight, even Jeez. the ones that are underweight. Absolutely. So you don't need to tell me that. Yeah, so that's, that so, was his reaction. So you d- didn't get any help from that first conversation. And, and then, so how did you feel leaving there? Were you like, well, I guess I better lose some weight? Or were you like, who the hell was this guy? I, I thought, how dare he? I used some other words. <laughs> I was angry. I knew that what was going on with me was real. Mm. You know, and, I knew. And not related to your weight, or at least. No, I mean, maybe, right. but it's not the yeah. cause. Got it. So then what did you do? Well, we were moving, as I said, so very, very busy. So I just dealt with it until we moved. And then I went to a new doctor, the first one that I found, which happened to be kind of just across the street. And I went to her. She was, I, I don't want to say it, it, it just happened that the first one was male. The second one was female. She asked me a bunch of questions. We talked for over half an hour. And for me, that's significant because I know, you know, running a doctor's office is a business. And if you spend more than however much time is budgeted, you're, lo- you're in essence losing money and making other patients wait. I respect that. She talked to me for over half an hour. So I knew this was important to her and asked me a lot of questions. She said, I think maybe it sounds like rheumatoid arthritis. I'd like you to go see my college roommate who's a rheumatologist. Here's her number. She's wonderful. And and that's how it started. And I, I remember even calling her that night because I'm a, a bit hysterical sometimes. And I, I started thinking, oh, my God, am I going to be in a wheelchair? How old am I going to be when I'm in this wheelchair? All of that stuff. And she she took my call at home and assured me, no, there are great treatments. You're going to be just fine. We will take care of you. Wow. So That's all you, I needed to hear. So this is the, the second doctor you visit. I just, I'm curious, the first doctor who had attributed your pain to your weight, how much time did he spend with you? Oh, 15 minutes, if that, like yeah. in and out. And I had seen him for a little while over the years, but never much. We did not have a relationship at all. So this is the first time, first visit with this new doctor and she takes half an hour and she gives you a guess. I mean, it's not certain, but she gives you a guess and she has enough confidence to say, I want you to see a rheumatologist. And at this point you hadn't had any blood work or any confirmatory tests, right? No, wow. it's the first visit. Wow. So this is based on her listening skills. 100%. <laughs> that is her diagnostic tool. And did she examine you? Like, did you have any abnormal findings on your exam at that visit? I believe so. I think she, you know, she looked at my hands and my wrist and my knees and my feet and noticed that it was bilateral, which is key for rheumatoid arthritis and right. asked questions. Like I could see this wrist is very hot. Is it always hot? Are other parts of your body the same way? And how does it feel? Is it harder in the morning? Like, what is it like throughout the day? Does the pain get worse or or better? So she was able to figure out some of the key characteristics of rheumatoid arthritis, like worse in the morning, you know, the heat, the bilateral effect, all of that stuff. So she refers you to her friend who is oh. a rheumatologist. Um, mm-hmm. And what happens then? I went to her. I brought my husband with me. We, we had not 
had kids yet. And, and that was a major concern for me. I wanted to have children. And I was already 35. So we're getting up there. And no, I think at this point I was 34. And one of the things she said to me, she, she asked a lot of questions. She was good. She was very, very smart. It was obvious. She knew her stuff. And I talked about kids and, and she wanted to get me treated right away on biologics, which can affect your DNA and can, can be dangerous to, to pregnancy. And I, I expressed concern and she said, well, these drugs usually freak out the OBGYNs, but we'll be fine. And I was like, <laughs> so I, I ended up not going back to her and asking around for another rheumatologist. And I found, I went to him and he talked more about how we can navigate it safely. He sensed that that was important to me. So I've been with him since then and I'm 52 now. So that's been mm. about 17 years. Yes. So let's let's do a little bit of a deeper dive into those two conversations, Nora. So the very smart first rheumatologist you see, obviously your primary care doctor got it right. Amazing. I mean, I just kudos to her off yeah. the bat. Uh, so I'm so glad. Shout out to Dr. Gallagher. So then you see this rheumatologist, very smart, but immediately she goes to the biologics, which is not wrong medicine. Right. You know, it's correct medicine, but maybe in the course of that conversation, didn't quite get how worried you were about the impact on your ability to have your family, right? And that right. that was enough for you. So she got it right. She took the time. She had a treatment in mind. She was endorsed by your family doctor, but she didn't really hone in on the fact that you didn't have kids yet. And that was enough for you to say, this is not the right doctor for me. Is that right? Yes. Yes. And as I explained to my husband in the car ride on the way home, I, I cried the whole way. I was just so frustrated. But I, I just said, I need bedside manner as much as I need skills, the Got technical it. skills. And mm -hmm. I needed someone to, and as I said to my, the doctor that I ended up with, Dr. Jaworski, Michael Jaworski at Chester County Rheumatology. The first day I met him, I said, I need a partner. I need an educated partner. I need someone who's going to tell me my options, the pros and the cons, and let me make the decision, not just throw me on medicine and send me on my way. And he looked at me and said, why would I do that? I said, well, that's the vibe I get from every other doctor I've met almost. He was brand new. Now that I look back, he must have just graduated school. Wow. So he was fresh and not in a hurry. So what was his, so at that first visit, what was his approach to your treatment? So you had one first visit with a rheumatologist where it was like immediately biologics, you have rheumatoid arthritis. This can be a crippling disease. We need to treat it right away. What yeah. was Dr. Jaworski's approach? Well, he explained how important it was to treat right away and how it could get worse if you don't treat it right away. And the key is early intervention. And he discussed some options that are less dangerous for if you become pregnant. So we went on an anti-malaria drug. I forget what it's called, but if you said it, I'd remember it. Um, Plaquenil. That's what it was, Plaquenil. Mm -hmm. And he said, as soon as you find out you're pregnant, you call me, we'll stop it. But I think it's much safer than, say, methotrexate or Remicade. 
So that's what we did. And we treated the symptoms as, and he said, you're planning to get pregnant soon, right? And I said, yes, any day. So we just worked it out and found a comfort level of where we were both comfortable. And so that's what we did. And I ended up having two beautiful boys in the space of two and a half years. And I'm 15 years later and I'm still working. Not even, yeah, 15 years later, I'm still working. I'm, I just got back from Germany yesterday. I'm able to travel the world and work, which is secondary to me. First was having a family and secondary was being able to continue to work and provide for my family and experience and, life. Yeah, not exactly. Basically, the basics of life, what we all walk this earth to do, you know, uh, you weren't exactly asking for pie in the sky kind of stuff. So did you stay on Plaquenil under Dr. Jaworski's direction or did you end up changing treatment once you had your kids? Oh, once we had my kids, I went on biologics. After the first child, I went on, I think it was Remicade. And it's been a journey because I, I've had to change protocol a few times, not protocol, but drugs a few times because I, I started getting hives and we didn't know if it was allergy to the drug or just stress or just people with immune conditions can get hives for no reason. Right. We had to dance around and find what worked for us. And he would be very clear with me and say, this can take two or three months. Are you ready for the challenge? Reach out to me every week. Tell me how you're doing. We have a patient portal. We communicate often. How are you doing now, like today, besides, you know, just getting off of an airplane from Germany? Yeah, I'm exhausted. <laughs> but in, in reality, in life, okay, it's been a crazy time. We've had COVID this whole couple of years. Up until I, I, have, I just ended a season of struggle. My family, I have two boys, as you know, and... We, since September, in September, COVID entered our family, but we were successful in keeping away from it for, for two and a half years. So it just was a cold to us, but it kicked mm -hmm. my butt because mm -hmm. even a cold knocks me out. So, and I have four people in my family, so it goes from one to the next to the other. And then it was every other virus in the planet because we've been so healthy over the last couple of years. And my worries were all about get me to this Germany trip. I have a brand new job. I work from home, which is tremendous for my health. And I want it to go well. And the, the job was meeting my team in, in Germany. And so Dr. Jaworski said, I will get you through Germany. We will, we will do this and, and Germany will be a success. I needed that. I just needed someone to say that. My knees were in so much pain that I could not get up off of a chair. My husband had to pull me up almost every time, or I would like rock until I could get up and lots of pain. My children were concerned and doctor and I talked about it and he said, let's get you cortisone injections, but right before you go to Germany so that that's a success. And then after that, I'd like to try a new thing that is glucosamine conjointin gel directly injected into the knees. But we'll do that after you get back because we want to go with something that's well-known, that works for you. So, so he's just listening to me. Yeah. So I, I want to talk a little more about Dr. Jaworski and your relationship with him because, you know, I think people sometimes think that a good relationship with your doctor equals excellent 
control of your disease. You know, a good doctor does a good job, fixes your problem, you're pain-free. But in this case, if you do have a hard condition to treat and a hard set of circumstances, and it's not always rosy and you're not always doing great, but the constant, even at the times when you're not doing great, is this relationship with your doctor, right? Yeah, 100%. Yeah, about a year ago, he, he said, my blood sugar was up and he said, and my mother was diabetic and that's something I'm always watching. And he said, I think we should try taking you off prednisone, which anyone who's been on prednisone knows how much we, we love the feeling we have when we're on it. Not, not so much the puffy face, but, and the weight. And I said, oh, I'm scared, but I trust you. So, okay. And I went off it and I'm still off it. But when I was going to Germany, he said, I'm going to give you some prednisone in case you need it for Germany. Do you want it? And I said, yes. And he said, how many milligrams do you think you'll need per pill? And I said, either one or five. Because he trusts me that I'm not just trying to take drugs. He knows me that he's had to kind of, he's had to kind of talk me into taking the biologics. This is important. I think before, after I had my kids, I was still pushing off the biologics. I'm doing okay. I, I, I could do it without it. And he took a look at my hands. He looked at my knuckles and he held them both in his hands. And he said, oh, Nora, you could live better than this. And oh, there's my child. You can live better than this. And I, I, it meant something to me because he was showing that he cared. And so I went on them and my life improved tenfold. Wow. And so that I can deal with the times of pain. I can deal with the challenges because I have hope that it will get better because I know he's looking out for me. So in a, in a podcast where we focus, unfortunately, a lot on bad conversations, Ooh. this particular doctor had enough good conversations with you that it seems to me like you're a lifer. Like as long as you're in this area and he's in practice, he's going to be your doctor. And part of, I think, what makes your relationship with him sound so good is that he considers the other aspects of your life. Like, you know, I know for a fact that some doctors would be like, I don't care that you're going to Germany. Like, you know, that's oh, yeah. not my thing. Sure I'm not, go? <laughs> right. I'm not a travel agent. Like I'm a doctor. I'm telling you what you need, but he clearly understood your life, your job, the importance of you being a breadwinner for your family, the importance of this trip for that. And mm-hmm. that doesn't directly have anything to do with your health, but it absolutely is important for your life. So So a good doctor having good conversations also considers every aspect of your life, not just the disease that he or she is responsible for, right? Right. He's asked to speak with my other doctors. Like I said, I have ear, nose, and throat. I work with Dr. Scharf in the hospital in Linwood. I forget the Woodwood. Lankett. Uh, Lankett, I And and he'll talk to him on the phone if, if need be. He'll, he'll just do that. He's always asking me to have you send the labs to him. And he, and by the way, he does all of this in the 15 minutes. It's, it's Hmm. not like he spends extra time with me. He just is mentally present with me. And by the way, you are the only doctor aside from Dr. Jaworski. You actually said the words to me. Would you like to discuss quality of life? That helped me. So I'm a lifer with you. You will not get rid of me. Oh, you're so sweet. And I think that's another piece of conversations that we often miss. Sometimes we're so in the trenches about the disease 
the treatment for the disease, the diagnosis of the disease, that we don't consider the quality of life piece. Like, for example, you know, for you, having kids was a critical piece to your quality of life. You yeah. could have been pain-free a lot sooner, but for you, pain was not the main thing hindering your quality of life. It was your desire to have a family. So you right. made a choice, an educated choice with a lot of conversation with a doctor you trusted to yeah. have the family first. And that improved your quality of life. And I mean, as a mom myself, I can't imagine what my life would be like without my kids. Oh, I know for a fact there would be times where the quality would have been a hell of a lot better. But, you know, in general, I think travel it would, a lot more. Yeah. So I would worry a lot less, you know. But I think, I think overall, it's a critical piece to a well lived life for at least for me and for, for, for yeah. a lot of people. Um, so let's just recap those conversations in our last few minutes here, Nora. So you start out with a doctor who, doesn't take any time and tells you you're fat, lose some weight. And instinctively, you're like, nope, move on. You see a brand new primary care doctor who takes extra time, gives you a hint at a diagnosis, isn't overly confident, but enough to say, go see a rheumatologist. You take mm -hmm. her advice. Uh, you trust her. Obviously, you go see this doctor who gives you good information, but doesn't factor in the importance of that quality of life piece and your need to have children. So you don't see her again. And you finally end up with Dr. Jaworski, who has been a partner in your healthcare. And I think this is maybe one of the most important lessons for this episode is maybe patients need to just say that outright when they're meeting a new doctor. Like, I don't need you to just figure out my problem and treat it. I need you to be a partner in my journey with this disease, right? Yeah. That seems yeah. to be what he has excelled at more than anything. So if you had to advise our listeners, especially people with a condition like rheumatoid arthritis, something that's basically incurable, something that you're going to live with and is going to impact your life, you know, across many different things, what kind of advice would you give them in their search for the right rheumatologist? Well, that's a great question, doctor, because I was thinking about how lucky I am that I am strong in my opinions and I'm confident in my opinions. Many, I know that that is not the case with many people and especially women. We tend to think somebody else knows better. And of course, a doctor is going to know better. But I had the faith that there's someone out there who would be right for me. And so I didn't just take it. I stood up for myself. That's been the number one thing. I've had to advocate for myself constantly. I advocate so much for myself now that other family members have me advocate for them. And I do it respectfully. I respect the medical profession. I, I don't know one quarter of the things you know on the first day of medical school. Mm. But I also know me. And I think that that's the important part is you can have a good life. You can have what you want, the most important things that you want. You just have to find the right person who is going to be a good match for you. So I think stand up for yourself is, is the number one piece of advice I'd give. Amazing. That's exactly the best thing to leave our audience with is okay. don't be afraid to advocate for yourself. That's right. Yeah. So for all patients, hear that loud and clear. Like if something doesn't feel right, 
you need to speak up for yourself. If a relationship doesn't feel right, you need to move on. And for, for my doctors and healthcare providers listening, you know, it's not always about getting it right. It's about how we approach the relationship with our patients, you know, partnering with them through getting it right and not getting it right. I, I, I am sure many, many patients would rather have a doctor they trusted who didn't get the diagnosis right, didn't get the first treatment right, but stood by them through that and was humble enough to say, I'm sorry, I didn't get it right. Let's do this. Let's do that. 100%. As opposed to, you know, force feeding you the treatment that may be right for your disease, but totally wrong for your quality of life. That yes. Those are such critical lessons, Nora. Thank you so much. I hope that you continue to have the ability to travel and live your life mm. and do everything through the bumps. Hopefully, Dr. Jaworski will be in practice for a very, very long time. Make sure you share this episode with him because I, I want, him, he, I want he, him to have the props that he deserves. He, does. he deserves it. He's wonderful. And he's still very young. So I think he'll be around for a long time. God willing, right. Yeah. All right, Nora, thank you so much for your time. I hope I can chat with you later on and hear more about your journey. Okay, thanks, doctor. It's been really fun working with you. Likewise. Thank you all for listening to my conversation with Nora. I hope everyone takes the lesson to advocate for yourself and seek out a healthcare provider that not only gets the diagnosis right, but partners with you, especially through a chronic medical condition like rheumatoid arthritis. If you have a medical conversation, good or bad, that you want to share, please email me, christine at christinemeyermd.com. That's christine, C-H-R-I-S-T-I-N-E at christinemeyermd.com. I can't wait for you to tell me more. Thank you so much for listening. Are you ready to join our conversation? Just go to Facebook and search Christine Meyer MD. Follow us to join 14,000 other people committed to creating better conversations in healthcare.